Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Glad to have you here today. We're going to talk about an issue that I keep getting questions about. And you know, when I get questions over and the same question over and over again, it's a legal question, it's a constitutional question. I have to believe that there are a lot of people out there asking that question. So today's question is, what is a state national? And so what we're going to be doing is going through federal law, federal code today, and learning what is a state national, what is the consequence of becoming a state national. And the question is, do you want to be a state national? So I'm going to I'm going to give you all the legal information that you need to help you prepare for the answer to that question. Uh, before we get to that question, I want to invite you, Christian's going to play a video really quick. I want to invite you to join us at libertyfirstsociety.com for more constitutional, more American history training, uh, training that you should be able to get in any university, but they won't teach you because, you know, it's not CRT and it's not what the government wants you to learn. What we teach you at Liberty First Society is original source education on how the Constitution is supposed to be applied. Not what the Supreme Court says, not what your politicians say, not what the pundits or the experts say, but what the real experts say, those who wrote the Constitution, those who ratified the Constitution, and how they said it's supposed to be applied. So watch this short video. When we come back, I'm going to show you what is a state national. One thing to realize there's something that needs to be done. But there's a whole nother thing in knowing what it takes to stand. You've got to count the cost. The only way you can do that is if you are filled with truth and filled with courage. No people will tamely surrender their liberties nor be easily subdued when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. He said, but on the contrary, when the people become universally ignorant and debauched in their manners, they will sink underneath their own weight without the aid of foreign invaders. It's got to be bigger than you. It's got to be bigger than now. It's got to be about our future. You cannot lose your liberty and stay who you are because God wove that into your spirit and made you free. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Don't forget that's libertyfirstsociety.com, an education simple enough for a sixth grader, but with great depth that even the most serious scholar will learn so much about the Constitution and American history because we're just not teaching it. And I say that even, you know, I mean, obviously your liberal textbooks aren't teaching you the truth, but in reality, you won't get this kind of depth in your conservative teachers is either because we actually go back and 9.9 .9 times out of 10, even the conservative curriculums don't go back the way we do. 
So what is a state national? We are going to be dealing with uh, the Immigration Naturalization Act because that's how a state national is defined through federal law, through the Immigration Naturalization Act. And I'm reading to you now uh, from Section 341 of the Immigration and, Nat and, and Nationality Act. It says, a person who claims to be a national but not a citizen of the United States may apply to the Secretary of State for a certificate of non-citizen national status. That's what, we, what they're calling a state's national. Now, I want to point out here that if you apply for state national status through the Secretary of State, okay, first you need to understand that's not an automatic thing. It is left to the sole discretion of the Secretary of State. Let me read this to you. So upon number one, proof of the satisfaction of the Secretary of State that the applicant is a national but not a citizen of the United States. And two, in the case of non-citizens national born outside the United States or its outlying possessions taking and subscribing before an immigration officer within the United States or its outlying possessions to the oath of allegiance required of an applicant for naturalization. So most of the questions that I'm getting about state national fall under that number one category. So if you want to be and I know this is there's some teaching, some instruction going around about state national. I want to give you the legal truth. I'm not going to be answering any of their questions. I'm not going to be debating them. I'm going to let the law speak for itself. OK, so someone who wants to be a state national has to be uh, has to claim state national and not be a citizen. Okay, that's step number one. You cannot be a citizen of the United States and be a state national of the United States at the same time. So that means by Section 301 of the INA, which is the Immigration and, Na and Nationality Act. So we'll just call it INA after this because everybody knows what it is, right? So Section 301 of the INA says if you are born within the United States, and you have citizen parents, you are automatically a citizen of the United States. So if you want to be a state national, you first have to proactively, voluntarily relinquish your citizenship. We will talk about that in just a few minutes. Once you voluntarily and, and, and once you proactively and voluntarily relinquish your citizenship, then you apply for state national status. Now, it's an application, remember. It's not an automatic thing. You must satisfy the Secretary of State that you qualify as a state national. Now, let's be very clear. To be a state national, you have to renounce your U.S. citizenship first. If the Secretary of State denies your state national status, you will now be a non-citizen alien in the United States. I want to repeat that for you again. Application for state national is entirely up to the Secretary of State 
the qualifications for state national are prescribed by section 308 of the NNA and INA, and we're going to go over that. If you do not qualify or satisfy the secretary of state that you qualify for a state national, you will be a non-citizen alien in the United States. That would mean that like the people crossing the border into Mexico, from Mexico or someone coming in from another country, you would be in the United States as a non-citizen alien. You would have to apply for a visa to remain. You would have to apply for a work visa to have a job. I want you to be very clear about that. As a non-citizen alien, if your state national status is denied by the Secretary of State, you will be a non-citizen alien. You will not have the right to work in America. You will not have the right to be present in America absent a visa. And you will not have certain property rights in America as a non-citizen. You do not qualify for taxpayer benefits legally. You will not be able to participate in government. You will not be allowed to vote. You will be an alien if you stay here more than 90 days as a non-citizen alien. You will be an illegal alien. I don't know if people understand that, but this is the law. Okay, so Section 341 of the INA says if you claim to be a state national, you must prove to the Secretary of State that you qualify to be a state national. Qualification of a, to, to be a state national is a very specific qualification. There are four ways you can qualify to be a state national under Section 308 of INA. So X Section 308 of INA says, unless otherwise provided in Section 301. I'm sorry, Christian, I don't mean to stop and interrupt myself, but are you putting these up here as I, oh, gr you guys, go ahead, Christian, give yourself an applause. I know you have an applause button somewhere. Give yourself an applause. Thank you, Christian. He is awesome. He is awesome. Christian is awesome. All right, ready? Section 308 of the Immigration and Nationality Act says, unless otherwise provided in Section 301 of this title. Now, remember, 301 is the definition of a natural-born citizen. So, 301, if you are born in the United States to citizen parents, you are a citizen of the United States. So, unless otherwise provided in Section 301 of this title, the following shall be nationals, but not citizens of the United States at birth. Ready? A person born in an outlying possession of the United States on or after the date of formal acquisition of such possession. That's number one. Okay. Are you born in an outlying possession of the United States? If so, you can be a state national. Qualification number two says, unless otherwise provided in Section 301 of this title, a person born outside the United States and is 
outline possessions of both parents, uh, of parents both of whom are nationals but not citizens of the United States and have had a residence in the United States or one of its outlying possessions prior to the birth of such person. Okay, that's number two. Were you born outside the United States and its outlying and your parents are nationals but not citizens of the United States? Have they had residence in the United States or one of its outlying possessions prior to your birth? If so, you qualify to be a state national. Number three qualification, unless otherwise provided in section 301 of this title, a state national will be a person of unknown parentage found in an outlying possession of the United States while under the age of five years until shown prior to attaining the age of 21 years not to have been born in such outlying possession. Let's see. Were you not a citizen from the ages of five to 21? Were you residenced in an outlying possession? I just have to do a side note. That whole thing is offensive to me. America having an outlying possession. We're not supposed to be. The United States of America was not supposed to be a possessor of colonies. Our founders would be so offended by that. Just saying, that's a foreign policy. That is, I believe, a, a violation of our federal government's authority via the Constitution. There's, it, It's just ridiculous. But I digress, right? So... So that's number three. Number four, unless otherwise provided in Section 301 of this title, the following shall be nationals but not citizens of the United States of birth. A person born outside the United States and its outlying possessions of parents of one of whom is an alien and the other a national but not a citizen of the United States who prior to the birth of such person was physically present in the United States or its outlying possessions for a period or periods totaling not less than seven years in any continuous periods of 10 years, during which the national parent was not outside the United States or its outlying possessions for a continuous period of more than one year and at least five years of which were after attaining the age of 14 years. Okay? So, do you qualify for under any one of these four conditions to be a state national? If you do not, it is very, very likely that the Secretary of State will not grant you state national status. And if you relinquish your citizenship in writing and you are not granted state national status, you will be a non-citizen alien in the United States. You will not have the, you will not have the uh, right to vote. You will not have the right to participate in government. There will be certain property rights you will not have access to as a non-citizen alien, you will not be allowed to work in the United States which without a proper visa. I just want you to be prepared for what you're doing. 
you will be an illegal alien after 90 days, not eligible to work unless you get an ITN number from the federal government. You relinquish your citizenship. Everything associated with your citizenship is now gone. So, according to the USCIS website, Section 301 of INA confers U.S. nationality but non-citizenship on persons born in outlying in an outlying possession of the United States or born of parent of a parent or parents who are non-citizen nationals who meet certain physical presence or residence requirements. That's the one, two, three, four that we just went through. The term outlying possessions of the United States is defined in section 101, subsection A29 of the INA as American Samoa or Swains Islands. No other statutes define any other territories or any other any of the states as outlying possessions. Do you understand that? You must have some type of physical presence or residency in an outlying possession of the United States or your parents had to as non-citizens. Now I'm gonna read this notice from USCIS. As the department has received few requests, there is no justification for the creation of a non-citizen national certificate. You will not receive a state national certificate. If you relinquish your citizenship, you apply for state national, they do not issue national state national certificates. Why? Designing a separate document. Now listen to this listen to this statement very very closely. I'm teaching you the legality of relinquishing your citizenship and claiming to be a state national. Okay? So the term let's see as the department has received few requests, there is no justification for the creation of a non-citizen national certificate. Designing a separate document that includes, listen, anti-fraud mechanisms was seen as an inefficient expenditure of resources. Therefore, the department determined that those who would be eligible to apply for such a certificate may instead apply for a United States passport that would delineate and certify their status as a national but not a citizen of the United States. So you will not get a national, a state national certificate because they would have to go through all these measures to ensure that the document was not fraudulently maybe counterfeited or created, and they didn't want to go through all that expense, they said, if you're going to be a state national, you have to apply for a new passport, a state national passport. So if you relinquish your citizenship in writing, your U.S. citizen passport becomes null and void. 
because you have relinquished that passport. Okay. So um, the Supreme Court, by the way, has said in two Supreme Court cases that your citizenship cannot be taken from you by force. Your citizenship can only be relinquished voluntarily. But once you voluntarily relinquish your, your citizenship, the federal government under 8 U.S.C. Code uh, 8 U.S.C. 1481 assumes or presumes that you voluntarily relinquish your citizenship, right? So 8 U.S.C. 1481 says loss of nationality by native born or naturalized citizen, voluntary action, burden of proof and presumptions. Whenever the loss of U.S. of the United of United States nationality is put into issue in any action or proceeding commenced on or after September 26, 1961, under or by virtue of the provisions of this chapter or any other act, the burden shall be on the person or party claiming such loss occurred to establish such claim by preponderance of evidence. Anyone who commits or performs or who has committed or performed any act of expatriation under the provisions of this chapter or any other act shall be presumed to have done so voluntarily. So under this chapter, writing a letter to the Secretary of State, renouncing your citizenship by the federal government will be presumed as a voluntary act. Therefore, once you submit your renouncing of your U.S. citizenship to the U.S. Secretary of State, it will be presumed that you voluntarily renounced your citizenship and you are now no longer a citizen of the United States. If you then file for state national status, unless you meet one of the four criteria, the Secretary of State is not likely to grant you national state national citizenship. Without granting you state national citizenship, you will not be given a state national passport. Your U.S. citizenship passport will be null and void, and you will not have a U.S. Na a state national U.S. Na state national passport. You will be an alien. I'm not sure how you travel to another country at this point without a passport, but as an alien, you won't be eligible for a driver's license. You won't be eligible to work. In some places, you won't be able to buy property. There are many things that non-citizen aliens are not legally permitted to do in the United States. And I understand what's happening under the Biden administration. But you should also understand the double standard that is at, is at play here with the Biden administration. Will they treat you as they treat the others that are illegally crossing the border or will they treat you differently? So what kind of benefit do you have being a state national? I've received emails that tell me that uh, people believe that renouncing their citizenship and being a state national will protect them 
if the federal government comes after their assets, their bank account, their property, whatever. Can I tell you unequivocally, that will not happen. Being even if granted state national status, you are not exempt from the laws of the United States simply because you are not a citizen of the United States. I want you to think about this very clearly. If you traveled from the United States to Germany as a U.S. citizen, and the German government accused you of violating German law, would you be able to say to the German government, yes, I realize I'm in Germany, but I'm not subject to German law because I'm not a German citizen? You have to understand that is a ridiculous statement. If you voluntarily step your foot on some soil that is claimed by some government, whether you recognize that government or not, you will be subject to the laws of that government. And there is no court that will find otherwise, period. If the federal government is going to seize your assets, they're going to do it to you whether you're a citizen or not. It happens all the time. So being a state national doesn't give you some kind of superior status, some exemption status of the, from the law in the courtroom. As a matter of fact, in many aspects, it will actually diminish your claim of defense in the courtroom. So I see no legal benefit to actually renouncing your citizenship because if you plan on staying still in the United States, you're still going to be subject to U.S. law. Whether you agree with the law or not, the government is going to believe that you are subject to that. The problem is not here in peaceful noncompliance. Renouncing your citizenship is not an exercise of peaceful noncompliance. An exercise of peaceful noncompliance as we teach in our movie, noncompliantmovie.com, as we teach at libertyfirstsociety.com, is being a citizen and participating in government to the point of peaceful noncompliance. Do you think Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr. would have a standing in peaceful noncompliance if he had been a non-citizen of the United States? No, as someone engaging in peaceful noncompliance of law as a non-citizen of the United States, he would be subject to deportation. So if you are a non-citizen, if you are a state national and you are engaging in peaceful noncompliance, you're trying to control your government, you are not you are not only subject to an unlawful arrest like Martin Luther King Jr. was, but as a non-citizen, you are now subject for deportation. To where we don't know because you now have no no home country which generally means you would just simply be indefinitely detained until they figured out what to do with you. 
So these are the consequences of relinquishing your citizenship. You lose certain access to certain rights. You cannot participate in government. You cannot uh, vote. You cannot work without a visa. There are so many things you can't do. And just because you relinquish your citizenship and apply for state national status does not mean the Secretary of State is going to grant that for you. And remember, you have to relinquish your citizenship before you can even apply for state national. And here's the last thing that I want to mention to you. If you apply for state national status and you don't know the law, regarding the qualifications for state national status, you are actually making a fraudulent immigration claim to the federal government. A fraudulent immigration claim to the federal government carries civil and criminal penalties. Any fraudulent claim to the United States government. Now I understand People are frustrated, and I understand people are looking for solutions. But this is not a solution. This is not a legal solution for you if you are a U.S., born U.S. citizen. This is not a legal solution for you. How I've heard people tell me that, that this will uh, give you an argument in the courtroom that will stump the judges and retain your rights. No, it won't. It will not. You are frustrated because the governments are out of control. You are frustrated because the governments are not recognizing your rights as a citizen. Why don't you exponentially expand that frustration when you become a non-citizen? So I hope that I've helped you understand what a state national is according to the law. It's not just something you get to make up. It's not just something somebody else gets to make up. It's not just something that you can interpret one way and hope for the best. It's in writing. It's federal law. I've read you the sections. It is what it is. There's no changing it. Now, let me mention to you, because I've had some people uh, email me and say, Chrisanne, I've written a letter to the Secretary of State renouncing my citizenship. Oh, crap. Now what do I do? Well, I believe 8 U.S.C. 1481 might offer a solution for you. It's worth a try. Okay, so let me read it to you again. Whenever the loss of United States nationality is put in an in issue in any action or proceeding commenced on or after September 26, 1961, under or by virtue of the provision of this chapter or any other act, the burden shall be upon the person or party claiming that such loss occurred to establish claim by preponderance of the evidence. So if you relinquish your citizenship at, by a letter to the Secretary of State, it will be up to the Secretary of State to prove by preponderance of evidence, evidence that you have voluntarily renounced your citizenship, okay? The burden shifts to the Secretary of State to the federal government, all right? Any person who commits or performs or who has committed or performed any act of expatriation under the provisions of this chapter, 
which include writing a letter to the Secretary of State saying, I don't want to be a citizen of the United States anymore, or any other act shall be presumed to have been done so voluntarily. So the fact that you sat down and penned that letter to the Secretary of State, it will be presumed that you have done that voluntarily. However, listen to this part. This is where I think if you've already done this and now you're having buyer's remorse after watching this legal explanation of what a state national is and what that means to you, not by my opinion, but by federal law, I read it to you, Christian put it up on the screen for you, okay? But such presumption may be rebutted upon a showing by a preponderance of the evidence that the act or acts committed or performed were not done voluntarily. So I believe if you're having buyer's remorse and you're like, oh, crap, I just sent a letter to the secretary of state. What the heck do I do now? I don't want to relinquish my citizenship. I don't want to be a non-citizen alien. I don't want I don't qualify for state national. It's not going to give me any benefit in the courtroom. It will not protect me from government seizing my assets. What do I do now? I believe that it's possible you could write a second affidavit to the Secretary of State explaining that your first affidavit was not knowingly nor was it voluntarily made because you were operating under false information. Because you were operating under false information, you now say you did not voluntarily submit that it was involuntary because it was based on false understanding. You now understand that you do not qualify for state national uh, state national qualification. You understand that this is not what you were told it was. You want to withdraw your application to revoke your citizenship with the Secretary of State as being involuntarily and unknowingly presented, and you wish to uh, move forward as a natural born citizen of the United States. Now you can play that back over again and copy down those words. But if you're having buyer's remorse, I hope you haven't already relinquished your citizenship. But if you have all, if you're having buyer's remorse because you did not understand all of these legal ramifications that I'm telling you about, then you can go ahead and file that second affidavit and move forward with your US passport, with your social security number, whatever it is that you have, continue working, do what you need to do, and then wait and see what the federal government does. So I hope that this has been an in, a, a good bit of information for you. Some of you um, may not even know what I'm talking about with a state national. Um, so if someone comes to you in the future and says, hey, I got this solution to get you out of the jurisdiction of the federal government, all you have to do is file this paperwork. And they mention to you state national 
you can say, oh, wait a minute. I know exactly what that means. Um, that means I have to relinquish my citizenship, doesn't it? Yes. That means that I have to apply to the Secretary of State for state national status, right? Yes. Well, what happens if the Secretary of State doesn't grant my state national status? How do I work? How do I stay in the United States? How does state national status actually protect me in the courtroom? I can't claim that because I'm not a citizen of the United States that I'm not subject to the laws of the United States. If I'm actually living in the United States, that would be ridiculous. So I'm arming you with the, the law. I'm arming you with the truth. You are a person of free will. You can believe all of what I've said. You can believe part of what I've said. You can believe none of what I've said. But you can do your own homework too. So I've done my duty. I have informed you of the truth. I have informed you of the consequences of the truth. It is now all in your hands on what you decide to do. We are libertyfirst.legal. If you need any further information on this, if you find yourself in a situation where maybe you've already relinquished your citizenship and you would like us to help you get it back, go to libertyfirst.legal and contact us through the website and we will do what we can to help you. We are a nonprofit civil rights law firm. So for those of you out there, or like she's just grifting, she's just trying to tell you not to do this so she can make money to help you. We are a nonprofit, nonprofit civil rights law firm. So if you contact us, we will do the best of our ability to help you. So thank you for your time today. Again, that website is libertyfirst.legal. That's our nonprofit law firm. Uh, if you we're wondering about our documentary, Noncompliant. It can be found at noncompliantmovie.com. And our sequel to Noncompliant will be coming out in the next few weeks. So we're really excited about that. Well, thank you for joining me today. Thank Christian for his fabulous work today. And we are ever so grateful for Christian and all that he does for us behind the scenes. And we're grateful for you. Without you, there is no audience. So thank you, have a blessed day, and we will see you next time. We hold these truths to be self-evident.
the freedom and liberty that comes from providing fuel to your own vehicle and not having to go to the gas station. The technology is there. Ford, Ford, at the invention of the gas-powered vehicle, Ford envisioned a vehicle that would run on your garbage, fermented garbage. If the technology and the idea existed back then, over a hundred years ago, guess what? It exists today. So you refuse to comply. Your peaceful noncompliance means that you invest and you investigate how to keep your car running and not buying an electric vehicle. Christian, do we have a good question? Oh, Christian says, how do we, did you put the question up there? How do we stop the abuse of power? And what was the last part? And hold these people accountable. Now, that's a really interesting question. And I think that's probably going to be our last question. Do, do we need to answer another one? Because I, I kind of want to wrap this up today. Is that good? Okay. That's probably going to be our last question for today. So I want to thank everybody on Facebook and on uh, Instagram for joining us here today and in, in posting your questions. But the, the answer to that question is education, organization, activation with perseverance. And the education is not just simply yourself, but others. And here is a, a very important, very, very important aspect to education that brings the responsibility back to the parents. Okay. I'm going to say this, and there's going to be some people that don't like this, but parents have to be responsible for their own children's education. Meaning we have to stop government responsibility for the education of our children. The saving future of America rests in the restoring and the saving our children from government education systems. The saving our children rests in parents who take the responsibility to be the education of their children. Now, if that means that you open up your own community school and the people of your community like community come together to create a school with like-minded principles and education, then that's what that is. But I'm going to tell you today, it should, you have no easier time to homeschool your child now than ever. Homeschooling is not a privilege it's a right. You have the right to homeschool. And by the way, let me just say this, please. Homeschooling is not something that the government should be funding. I understand that you pay taxes for the government school system. Let them have it. Work to change the taxation system in your community, but let them have that money. You see, because they think it's theirs. 
If you fight for a tax credit for homeschooling, if you fight for a subsidy for homeschooling, if you fight for a a tax refund for homeschooling, what you're really fighting for is the government to control your homeschool curriculum. If you want good education, you have to keep the government out of it. Government can't give good education. Government can only give government indoctrination. Government will only raise a future generation to love government, to respect government, to fear government, and depend on government. That is not liberty. That is why we are where we are today. And I just want to put this out there because here's something that I want you to understand, okay? The government school system is not broken. The public school system, I'm going to say that again, is not broken. The government school system, the public school system is doing exactly what it's designed to do. Christian, do you have a little tab to put chrisanhall.com up there on there? So you, you can look look behind me, right? Right here. And Christian's going to put up on the bottom screen in case you're having trouble reading what's behind me. And go to chrisanhall.com. Read an article, search the article for stolen education, stolen children, stolen future. It is the history I am bringing to you the history I am bringing to you of the American education system, not my opinion, but actual truth. Documented with documentable, researchable resources and quotes. The public school, government school, whatever you want to call it, system is working exactly how it's designed to work. It was designed to create an illiterate population. It was designed to create a docile population. It was designed to create a population that would, in the quote of the of, of the first president of the General Education Board, to yield to their ever-controlling hand. That's the purpose. It is functioning quite successfully when you understand how it was created. And so it's really, really important to understand as parents, if we want to escape the tyranny, if you want to hold people accountable, it has to begin with right education first. Now, there are a lot of conservative outlets out there that want to teach you about government, that want to teach you about the Constitution, but you must also be discerning about them as well. And I'll tell you how the the biggest key on how to discern whether your conservative constitutional education is a good one or not. Is the education being presented to you through original source documents, what the writers of the Constitution said, what the debates notes say, what the Federalists and the Anti-Federalist arguments were, what the discussions were at the time, and the conclusions they came to at the time. Is your constitutional education coming from original source text? Or is it coming from Supreme Court opinions 
historians after the year 1833, any history book written, any civics book written after 1833 is bad source material. Well, let me put it this way. Any history book, any history book that does not reach back to original source text. Okay, bad source material. If your history book goes back to the original source, then you're okay. But if your history book relies on things that are written after 1833, if it relies on Supreme Court opinions and what judges say about the Constitution, it's not good source material. Don't rely on it. It's bad. Because the change about how we're supposed to understand the Constitution and the proper role of government occurred in 1833. So this is how you vet this stuff. Colton, what you need, baby? Don't, don't sit there and like lip sync things to me if you're not going to tell me. Okay. All right. So my team, we want to say thank you to my team back there today. Colton, my son, and Christian, you know Christian, my producer. Thank you guys for helping us today. Thank you so much for uh, joining us in this special edition of the Chris Ann Hall question and answer. Uh, thank you for joining us uh, all the time. And thank you for the support that you give us. What you give us in support helps us do what we do every day. By the way, you can go to noncompliantmovie.com and make a donation and then you can help us. When you're a member at libertyfirstsociety.com, everything that you do, all that you have uh, submitted, everything that you've given your membership and everything for libertyfirstsociety.com, the books that you buy, everything like that, is all brought back into what we do and you help support and fund what we do. So I want to say thank you to everybody who supports us. Don't forget to like and share. Leave your comments below. God bless you. And all things considered, we'll see you next week. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain alienable rights. We have a power. And we've raised a spoiled brat representative government that needs to be taken to the woodshed. Are you satisfied with the government that owns you? There are churches who refuse to allow us to use their facilities to teach. Unspoken or even sometimes spoken rule that religion and politics don't mix. You wouldn't dare speak out against the government or somehow resist. Christians have to be involved in politics. God commands it. Every turn of event through history hinged one person will stand up. Upon a single person. And then everybody else will stand. A gym member surrounded by a crowd of supporters was placed in handcuffs. A Tampa Bay pastor has been arrested. Sentenced to a week in she jail. She also and tore up a cease and desist letter.
We have a posterity waiting for us to say, we will not comply so you will be free. We have a chance to fight without bloodshed. But every time we comply, we establish a future where our children will not have that opportunity.